Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to Wonder. So happy to have you here with us today. We have a really exciting episode today on Paris, France. And today we are recording, or we have recorded with one of my best friends, Lauren. And in recording this episode, there's a couple kind of tidbits I wanted to make sure everyone was aware of. One, this is our first virtual recording. So with that, Lauren has a little bit of a different audio. I'm of course recording with a microphone. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer out that there's a little bit of a difference in audio quality, but I still think that it actually came through really well. That being said, there's also some bits and pieces of the audio where there's some background noise. Of course, when you're recording audio virtually, there's some things here and there that get picked up. I did my best to edit them out, but I just wanted to put a disclaimer that you'll hear some bits and bobs in the audio. Apologies for that. This is our first virtual recording, so working through a lot of the kinks and everything that comes with recording virtually. But that being said, really loved this episode. This episode was one of my favorites. It was so fun to do with one of my best friends, Lauren, as we talk about in the podcast. We've known each other for uh, 10 years, actually, this year, which which is amazing. And we had a lot of laughs and she told me to, to add this as a disclaimer in that when in the episode, I ask her a little bit to tell the audience and everyone how we met. She just focused on the logistics of how we met, but we both failed to add that we've been best friends for the last 10 years. So while we did meet, and you'll hear that story, we met in college, we since then have been best friends. We didn't meet once in college in 2013 and then are all of a sudden going to Paris 10 years later. So we wanted to, to throw that that disclaimer. We've been best friends for a really long time. I am lucky enough to have just seen Lauren a couple months ago when I was in Denver. She came down to visit me in Denver while I was visiting for a couple of days from Seattle. And we have had the most lovely friendship. And you'll hear that come through in a lot of ways, one being the tremendous amount of laughs and giggles that we have throughout the podcast, which is really fun. So I hope you all enjoy that. Outside of that, I wanted to just give a bit of a quick intro and talk a little bit about this podcast we recorded, and this is being released on the week that is exactly one year after the trip, which is really fun. I love Paris and Lauren loves Paris. You'll hear us talk about that. And so we had a really good time talking about the trip. I will say there's a lot of tips and tricks in here and things that you can take away and action on your next Paris trip, but it isn't exhaustive. There will likely be other Paris episodes in the future. So this is really an overview of our trip, our experience to get a little bit of the vibe of Paris, some ways that you can eat if you're gluten-free, dairy-free, where to go, some of the best museums. But of course, Paris is so incredibly massive that it's difficult to fit it all in one episode. So on our social media, we'll be going through and posting some additional tips and tricks and things to keep in mind, places to visit. But we'll likely be doing other Paris episodes in the future as well. As Lauren, as you'll hear, she spent a lot of time in Paris and has a lot of input and, and tips and, and stuff like that to talk a little bit about to, to people who are traveling. But with that being said, I hope that everybody's having a great day. Today was a really great day for me. Got some great feedback about our podcast. It has been really lovely. We've had some amazing feedback over our last couple of episodes and we took a look at some of our stats and found that we have listeners in so many places I would have never imagined. I think when you start a podcast, you're you know, just like fingers crossed that even one person listens. That would be cool. And, and at this point we have over a hundred listeners, which is massive. And we have listeners everywhere from Mexico to Thailand. We have a lot of listeners in the US and the UK, of course, Australia, uh, none in New Zealand yet. So hopefully, hopefully they come around here soon, but it's been really amazing to see where people are listening to this podcast from. So if you are listening to this podcast and you are, you know, want to say hi, please also know you can always reach out to us on our Instagram or our TikTok and say hello, introduce yourself, because at some point 
I want to be able to have listeners on the podcast talking about the places that either they're from or they've visited to or whatnot. So if that's something that interests you, definitely reach out. Let me know. Now that we've gone through this podcast to do the virtual recording, which I have been building up to as I've gotten to learn the softwares and how to podcast and how to edit and whatnot. Still a lot of kinks to work out, but now that we've got at least one episode in the books and there's a lot of learnings from that for recording virtually, I feel like we can now start folding this in a little bit more frequently for some episodes and we can expand and continue to grow outside of just podcasting in person. But the good news is I also ordered some podcasting equipment and we will also have some better equipment to be podcasting in person too. So on multiple avenues. We're growing, we're expanding. This has been a really fun journey over the last, you know, just about two months. We were born on June 18th. And so coming up on our two month anniversary here in a couple of weeks. So really exciting stuff. So stay tuned for more. We have a lot of big goals for our podcast and we're really excited to have you on board keep the feedback coming as well. Please let us know anything that you really love, anything that you think that we should change. Of course, this is very much in the works. I'm trying different things, experimenting, and I know it's not perfect every time, but I really appreciate you all and your support. And please send through your feedback that you have. I'm really looking forward to to adding a lot of really great episodes this year. There's a lot of good ones in the pipeline and it's going to be a really fun adventure. So stay tuned for more. Outside of that, it's been, you know, pretty, a pretty normal last week or so in Sydney, been a little bit rainy, but that's good because we actually have had a really dry summer or actually funny enough, winter, it's winter, but it has felt like summer for a couple of weeks there where it was into 25-ish degrees max, you know, but 21 on average, which is about 70, 73 in Fahrenheit. And so it's felt really warm, which has just also felt really wrong. And so the last couple of days, it's been cooler. It's rained quite a bit, which is amazing because we of course want to make sure that we're, we're in a good spot heading into the summer. As we've seen, it's been incredibly dry in, in other areas around the world. And you know that's causing a lot of wildfires that are incredibly devastating. So fingers crossed that we'll, we'll continue to get some rain. Other than that, Hugh and I have been making some progress on our bookings for our restaurants for our Italy trip. This has proven to be a little bit more challenging than I had initially thought. And it's it's a bit challenging for a couple of ways. One, there's a group of restaurants that don't take bookings online, only over phone. There's another group of restaurants that book out within seconds of putting on their reservations or opening their reservations. And there's another group that has reservations online, but has these massive deposits that you have to pay. One was upwards of 500 euros, which just seems like a lot. I'm not quite sure if it's normal or whatnot, but it's a lot. So we're trying to strike a balance between booking a couple of places and knowing we'll walk into some places. But we've been working on that the last couple of days, which has felt good to at least get a few places booked, but knowing we need to get a couple of other places booked as well. We've also started planning for our New York trip and our trip to Montana in the winter, which we're doing to go back to the US, visit um, my family and friends, um, some friends in New York, my sister's coming along on that trip, and then we are going to visit some family in Montana. And so really exciting uh, episodes coming up on that. And other than that, we're chugging right along. This weekend in Bondi is a what we call City to Surf. So it's a marathon, I believe, or just a half marathon, actually, maybe. I'm not quite sure. Don't quote me on this. I keep thinking about the podcast armchair experts that I listen to, and they do a fact check, which I love. So, you know, of course, I try to get everything as correct as possible. Sometimes I do type up and research questions while I'm recording, and then I'll kind of edit, edit out the the research part with the, the keyword and whatnot. Um, but the other just disclaimer is we, you know, embrace the side of being human that is not always correct and have and give space for us to, you know, think one thing, be proven wrong or be right the whole time, whatever it might be. So 
I might not be right on that. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm actually drawing a blank, but that's this weekend. I'm doing that with um, a group of people that I work with. And then I have a, another friend who's running it. So fingers crossed for a really fun day. It's supposed to be a really big day in Bondi. And although I've been here for five years, I, I think I've been I've been out of town last year for the city to serve. And before that for COVID, it was off a couple of years. And, and it's quite funny. I've been here for just about five years, but it really only feels like two, to be honest, because you know, two uh, of those years I were COVID years. The first year when I first came here was really busy for work. And so it doesn't feel like I've been here for that long, but anyhow, so things are going well. We've also been inspecting a lot of apartments and applying to a lot of apartments and being rejected to a lot of apartments. And so going through that cycle, I'm sure everyone knows the feeling well. Um, I just kind of have to go through it and I think it's a numbers game and a law of averages at some point. So we're continuing trudging along there. We've seen some really good apartments, some that we really enjoy. And so I'm going to keep looking at those, trying to set that up before we head to Italy in just three weeks, actually from today, which is really exciting. So all things going well over here. I hope that you all are doing well and having a really great week. And it's pretty incredible to think that we're in the second week of August. This year is going by so fast. I can't even kind of keep keep track. But that being said, I will go ahead and we will head into our episode and get started in that here in just a moment. Thanks again so much for everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoy the show with Lauren and myself, and we will see you next week. All right. Hello, Lauren. Hello. Welcome to our wonder podcast. We're so excited to have you on board. Our first virtual guest. How does it feel? Well, it feels great to be in Sydney and in Seattle at the same time. <laughs> I know the modern marvels of intercontinental internet space galactic travel. Somehow it works. We don't ask any questions. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're really excited to chat with you today. And today we're talking about a really special place, even though I say this every episode, it's like every episode is like the most special episode. But today we're going to be talking about Paris, a really lovely spot that you and I both have attachments to for a bit of different reasons. But before we get into it, tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe a little high level overview about how we met. Oh, gosh, on the spot. Well, I live in Seattle with my partner, my dog named Freya. and. Previous to Are Seattle, they both named Freya, or does your partner? <laughs> both, Sarah. They just happened to both be named Freya. It was so convenient. <laughs> I mean, it's confusing around the house, but um, partner's name is Mike. Shout out to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before living in Seattle, we both actually, Mike and I, both bounced around quite a bit. I uh, last year was in London for grad school, studying public health. And prior to that, we were in the U.S. for a bit during the beloved uh, lockdown ages. And before that, we were both in Uganda. He was there for seven years and I was there for three. So we've both done some some traveling for our work, both in global health and um, early days. I worked in social impact entrepreneurship right out of college, which answers the second part of your question, which is how we met. We were both transfers to uh, the University of Denver and we met on transfer initiation day and it was love at first sight. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. Um, I think the highlight of that day for uh, anyone listening is that when you when you transferred at this time, so this was in 2013, their you know, apps were still taking hold. Yeah, this is like a year Airbnb and Uber were um were created. And so the app that we had for transfers was there wasn't even photos on it. It just was like your name. <laughs> And yeah. it was like some like MySpace met Twitter I was or say, something. It was like MySpace. Yeah, it was so old school. And we were just like chatting to each other about being roommates. And then I ended up having a different roommate and it didn't work out to live together that year. But then when we went around and like said each other's names, now actually able to like hear names and associate with like a human being. Uh, you wouldn't have known who I was otherwise if we hadn't have been in that same circle. Yeah. I think about that day all the time because we'd met online in that MySpace portal because 
I think you posted something really endearing, like looking for a nice, normal roommate. <laughs> and I was like, me, pick me. <laughs> sounds sounds about it. Just cutting straight to the chase. Looking for a nice, normal roommate. Just, just a regular gal. Or well, I guess coming off of the back of a little bit more interesting roommate my freshman year, that doesn't sound too far off. I just was straight to the point looking for a nice, normal that's it. Nothing special. <laughs> Perfect. So funny. But anyway, well, yeah, really exciting. So of course you've traveled a ton. We'll have to actually talk to you a little bit more about some of the other locations you've been to on future episodes. But today we're talking about Paris, which of course we love so much. So I, my first question for you is tell us a little bit about your connection to Paris and the time, how much time you've spent there in your life on planet earth. <laughs> Sure. Well, (laughs) Paris holds a very special place in my heart. I studied French at DU and traveled abroad to Paris my junior year, um, which sidebar, you should absolutely do a Jordan episode. Um, Yeah. But Paris was, it was so meaningful. It was the first time I really lived on my own. And to discover it as a student uh, was really an, an irreplaceable experience. I have extremely fond memories of wandering down streets by myself and eating too much cheese and too many baguettes, but feeling completely young and free in this enchanting city that so many people have a connection to. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And I think studying abroad is one of those moments that I feel like is so pinnacle when you're in that age or in your early 20s, similar. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do a Jordan episode somewhere along the line. Um, there's so much that I, at this point, I'm trying to like conceptualize how to to go about that, but it's definitely on the future, future books. But I think that, yeah, when you're studying abroad, if you haven't studied abroad or, you know, if you are thinking about it, it just is the most amazing thing to do. Like you'll just never live life like that again. And you'll Mm -hmm. also never have the ability to, most people, like, you know, go to school, you you don't have to work, you're just going to classes, but you're having fun with your friends. And you're also connecting that with a bit of figuring out how who you are in this transformative, you know, you're a year before you're going to go out to the quote unquote, real world as we, um, we call it. And yeah, it's quite special. So I think also too, gives you such good insight in Paris. And that leads us into a little bit of how we decided Paris. So at least from my recollection, so you can tell me about your experience. But I remember thinking, like, I had lived so many memories of hearing, of course, when we were both abroad, like I was in Jordan, you were in Paris, and we're going back and forth between the trials and tribulations of living in host families. And you did so many, like, you had multiple different host families as well. And so I just remembered going back and forth about that and and how much you loved Paris and you were able to find such a good experience there and also wanting to see Paris with you at some point in our friendship. And so last year when it came to, you know, planning a trip to Europe, I was like, I wanted to meet you somewhere. You were of course in London and I was like, we could do London, but I was like, I feel like we should really do Paris. So I'm so happy that we were able to do that. I think, yeah, it's so special and I'm so excited to talk to you about our talk about it with you today. Of course, we were both on the trip, but um, yeah. I think there can be the possibility for pressure if you go back to a place with someone where they have a pre-existing connection or a prior experience. And not like you have to one-up it exactly, but if it's someone's place they know, will they feel like they have to host? Or Will they feel like they want to be sure that you do all the things that they want to do? And will you, as the person who hasn't been there before, feel like you just have to go along because it's their city, what have you? And it was not like that at all for Paris. I experienced Paris so independently as a college student that being able to experience it with you was actually, it brought totally new life into how I loved the city. And they sat so differently in my brain and and we made such great memories completely outside of what I had done those many years prior. Um, Starting with not being in a homestay, we stayed in wonderful (laughs) places. Not that my homestay wasn't wonderful, but we didn't have to eat dinner at 7 p.m. if we didn't want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We we broke free from the rules of of living under someone else's roof for sure. 
And yeah, I do agree. It's it's kind of interesting, even, you know, somewhat I've thought about that as well. You know, when people come to visit Sydney, you know, you do feel like this mm-hmm. this like additional duty, so to speak, to kind of rise to the occasion and show people like the best time because you have these insights. And I think the thing is too, like it's so funny, we didn't even really, you know, we so we planned where we were going to stay, but then we didn't really plan much else outside of that. So I felt like it was a good also kind of free flowing itinerary where we just kind of decided what we wanted to do. And there was no like, uh, you know, take me here, take me there, you know, just kind of every day, at least how I remember it, we just kind of woke up and decided, let's go check out Musée d'Orsay. (laughs) Like, let's go walk around the Science Museum (laughs) to just... It was bliss. Yeah. It was so nice. Yeah, it was amazing. But I think in terms of where we stayed as well, so this is one thing I always like to cover is just where we stayed. And I had some ideas that I had sent you. And like, I think I sent you three or four of them. And three of them are like right by the Eiffel Tower. And then you like were like, maybe we should stay in the Latin Quarter. So <laughs> my first, or my first question about the accommodations is what to you like stood out about the Latin Quarter as like being a good spot to stay in? Like, why would you recommend that place to stay? That is such a good question. The Latin Quarter is, I think it's probably grown in popularity over the last five, eight years, but it's still retained this hidden charm. It's a larger neighborhood, but it's not the biggest. And it's based around this one main street, Rue de Mouftard. And I mean, maybe I'm incorrect there. Someone can correct me. But my understanding <laughs> is it's based around the Rue de Mouftard, which has a lot of bars and cute shops. And there's a bit of tourism there, but the rest of it feels quite lived in. And it's next to popular sightseeing areas like the Notre Dame. Um, you're right by the Seine. But because it's it's tucked away ever so slightly, you have a, a more local experience. Whereas Eiffel Tower is is the heart of maybe where people go to, whereas Latin Quarter is maybe where people are more likely to live. And for me, that's how I like to experience a city, not through the eyes of what maybe is a a peak tourist attraction, but rather how a local lives their life. Yeah, I think, and I really like how you described it as well, because, you know, I I was like, of course, yeah, let's stay wherever you recommend. I I don't have any preconceived notions. The first time I went to Paris, I stayed in Montmartre, which is, so far out of that's yeah anywhere that's a track. <laughs> so i was like i can't be trusted with this i have no idea where to stay but i really actually i love the latin quarter and i think you're you're really um spot on with it, it does feel very lived in it was really quiet really low-key but really close to notre dame still in the mix of things and you could also get to even the eiffel tower pretty quickly the day before that you and i or earlier that day before you had arrived I had just gotten on a scooter and scootered down the whole like main, I don't know what the main road is, kind of parallel to the Champs-Élysées, which also I'm probably not pronouncing any of these things correctly, but um, but parallel to that. So it's kind of goes straight down then to the Eiffel Tower. And so I had scootered down and it was maybe like a 10, 15 minute scooter on a, the electric ones. But even mm-hmm. still, we were able to get everywhere we needed to be and we walked a ton. So I think it's not central in the tourist destination, but I think it's still very much central and that has a really lovely town neighborhood feel. We went out for brunch one day, you know, we stopped at some shops, everything was there that we needed, but then we were kind of able to branch out and still go to the more notable landmarks and whatnot from there as well. Yeah, we walked so much. I remember the first day I experienced Paris on foot and by the metro. So that was just how I knew to get around. But remember after the first day, you had a, a little talk with me and said, tomorrow we're taking scooters. <laughs> <laughs> and in your defense, it was much faster and we covered a lot more ground. <laughs> it was just, it was so funny. We walked, I mean, like 30,000 steps. It was insane. And it also was really hot. And I was like, Lauren, I think if it if it keeps taking us like thirty minutes to walk everywhere, we're not gonna like. I'm not in a hurry, but I'm also like, you know, I'm also not 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 in a hurry. Um, yeah. So, but I will say the line bikes. Unfortunate, I had actually read that Paris is discontinuing them, which mm-hmm. is 
a bummer and that they were really easy to get around. But I think the bikes or no, yeah, so the Lime scooters are being discontinued. I think the bikes will stay. So hopefully that those will still be there for people to get around because it is just a really big city. I think mm-hmm. in my first my first trip there was when I was going to visit just on a weekend when I was in Amsterdam for work and I went to visit and I had a I had no idea how big it was and I walked everywhere for like 24 hours and then went home and I saw basically nothing because it's just it's so big yeah which can also that's a different Paris experience um getting lost and just weaving your way down various alleyways and stumbling into a secret garden or a coffee shop and you can and I this actually isn't the right turn of phrase I was going to say you can waste many a day in Paris, but none are a waste because there's always something to discover. Um, it will take you a day <laughs> to to discover it, but you can, there is, I think, something sacred about walking the city as well. So I'm, I'm not opposed to them getting rid of the scooters. I, I think they're quite dangerous, but bikes, bikes are also good. And yeah. we saw multiple museums on the bikes too. So we were able to strategize and we went to Natural History Museum. And then I think that same day we went to Musée d'Orsay, which by foot, it would take you probably close to an hour to do that hike. Yeah, I think, and it's just funny that you say that because my favorite memory of being there my first time was, you know, walking down the alleyways. I think Paris, I feel like it's a great place to go without any itinerary. Like I really love that. This is my second time with not knowing really much about what I was going to do. I've still never been to the Louvre because I've never planned enough to get tickets to the Louvre. So, um, but I know I'll, I'll go back, of course. But I think it's the walking around the streets. If there's any city I actually think is the really well suited for that, it's Paris. I mean, even on our trip, yeah, we wandered around a few and found some cute cafes and some some shopping and whatnot, especially when we were in the Latin Quarter. I remember we were walking through there and we were going to these really cute shops and there was no tourists there and there was no one really there just locals which was so lovely um but also really hot as well so oh, august in paris i think something to note and and so when did you go down there for abroad did you go down there in september or did you go down there in august i traveled for i think close to 6 weeks before actually getting to france so by the time i got there i, I do think it was either early september or the last couple of days of August. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think one thing that w- is worth mentioning is that while we had such a great time in Paris, one, it was really hot. And two, a lot of things were closed because a lot of Parisians travel in August. I think, I think it's just really August from my recollection. Is that correct? Yeah. August, France just shuts down, <laughs> or at least Paris does. Everyone leaves. I think it's that way in Switzerland too, and some other European countries. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely know that. But I mean, that being said, you can still have a great time. Of course we did. I think the next topic, and you uh, touch on this a little bit, is the museums we saw. So the one that I had never heard of, and I really was so blown away by, was the Science and History. Is it Science and History Museum? The Natural History Museum. Natural History Museum, which is, we walked through the Latin Quarter to get there. We did, yeah. This museum is insane. And you first went here when you were younger, right? I think, yeah, that's the recollection I have of someone telling me that story at some point. But it is very kid-friendly. So if if you are traveling with small children, it's, it's a taxidermy museum, really. There are all these stuffed animals. And so... By walking through, you can get up close and personal to a beluga whale or, um, I mean, that one's probably made out of synthetics, but a lot of the animals <laughs> really are stuffed. It's very unique. Also, it's in one of the most beautiful buildings that's yeah. really cool. One of the things I, that we talked about with there that we loved is that the lights change with you know, what part of day it's trying to be over the time that you're there which is really cool. And yeah, the building itself is amazing. And then it's in the most beautiful gardens. So we had the whole yeah first half of the day going to the museum and it was like five floors. It's just massive. Like it, truly, yeah, if you're you're looking for like a family 
activity, definitely one to go to. But even if you're not with a family, like we had a great time. So much was there and like a really impressive museum. And then there's these beautiful gardens. And what are the gardens called that we were walking through? What that is Do you such remember? a good question. Yeah, I, mean, I, I couldn't remember what they were Jordan called. The plant, of course. Yeah. The plant garden. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> no, Very so beautiful. Yeah, so famous. And they're and who knew that they were just connected? And then we also through the greenhouse as well. Yeah. That was just a nice addition. That was really fun. Sometimes, if I remember correctly, there's a museum that may or may not be an annex to the Natural History Museum that has rotating pieces on display. When I was a student, I remember going and it was a a display of rocks and minerals that was fascinating. So if you're ever in the area and find yourself at the Natural History Museum, don't look away from the Jardin de Plantes and then also the museum across the street with its whatever it's featuring at that time. Yeah. And I think that was the one that they had tickets or something. So we couldn't get into yeah. that one. Um, mm-hmm. But we didn't have any issues going the day of to the Natural History Museum, which yes. was nice. So you can rock in there. It also was aircon, so it was a really nice relief from all the heat. So definitely stopping there. And then Musée d'Orsay. What's not to love? I thought what you were going to say experience. Musée uh, d'Orangerie. Um, the Monet one. We love no. Musée d'Orsay. That's my no, favorite. I like favorite, but I thought you liked Yeah, I liked the Monets as well, but I loved Musée d'Orsay. I could have spent days there, I think. And then we spent like six hours in there. And by the time we walked out, we were ready to go again. A hundred percent. Yeah. I couldn't have been more stunned by this museum. And like, when was the, did you go there when you first studied abroad there? Like when you were, had just gotten there or like what time was the timeline between when you landed and went? Oh, uh, I think it was the very first week. I went there every Thursday because they had student rate. So after class on Thursday, I would take the metro to the Musée d'Orsay and just walk around and visit Le Pie, my favorite painting of all time. And there's a little cafe on, I think it's maybe the fifth floor, third or fifth, by the Impressionists. And sometimes I would treat myself to a tiny cup of coffee, but usually I would just wander around. That's extremely precious place to me. It's so lovely. And Again, another incredibly beautiful building. It's so lovely, but it's organized really interestingly. Like there's all these sculptures in the middle, which are, you know, just incredible in themselves. And then on all the sides, you have all these different floors, all this art. And I'm trying to remember, do you remember? Because I actually have the print not too far away from me, so I can check. What was the exhibit that they had that was the rotating one that we also spent two hours in? You know, I have the print near me too, but I don't remember what it was. I will say that of all those times I went to Musée d'Orsay, that was the longest consecutive amount of time I spent there. And one of the most memorable being there with you. But that that exhibit was fantastic. Do you want to grab your print? Do you want me to grab Yeah, mine? yeah, yeah. I'll grab mine. Yeah, it's so amazing. <laughs> I have to know who this was. Uh, yeah, one second. It was fantastic. Okay, so we have um, we have the print. Here, Aristide Maialo. So, not great pronunciation on my. But, you can type um, it in the show notes too. Yeah, I'll type it in the show notes. This is uh, one of his most famous works, and this is one that we yeah, we really loved. And he was on the verge of the tail end of impressionism, and also did like a lot of sculpture and, um, or at least that's that's what I remember, but. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not quite sure. But beautiful. And when we first walked in as well, he had a lot of artworks of women with really masculine features. So that's what he um, he started with. And then he branched into sculptures. And it was one of the most beautiful and well-curated additions, I think. And we were lucky to get in. It, there was, when we left, there were so many it was a long line, but we just, again, managed to just have this luck of floating around Paris and getting <laughs> these, 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 these things. But yeah, that was so amazing. I loved that. And could we just absorb every piece of this artwork and take it home? One of the most 
enjoyable aspects of traveling with you is we have the same pace going through museums. We want to read all the plaques. We don't want to be rushed. We're happy to have a bathroom break if it's needed. And then we go right back to it. It's leisurely and exhaustive. We, we both want to see everything. So I think in, in my hot travel tips with a friend, it's identifying if you have the same museum pace, not even taste, but pace so that you, you don't feel one or the other person getting rushed. Yeah. And I've heard that museums are great early dates as well. Very similar um, a similar vibe. Uh, and just, I was listening, I think to this podcast and it was like a museum is a great date. It's like, how do they go through a museum? Do they try to talk to you the whole time? Do they go really quickly and then they want to be done? You know, what's their, their vibe? So traveling with friends, going on dates, take them to a museum and, and test it out, see how you go. But I think too, we also are very much spending time and not necessarily even talking to one another, which is great. And like coming and going. And sometimes you were here, sometimes I was there and whatnot, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, so the Musée d'Orsay, I can't recommend enough. I definitely would recommend going there really early, the first ticket slot, because we had gone quite early. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, planning to spend like as much time as possible. And there you can see, what's it, the Van Gogh upstairs and... Is it no, it's not Van Gogh. It's no, it is is it the sunflowers? I'd have to look that up actually. I'm I don't recall that, but what was the really popular one that everyone was crowded around? I thought well maybe there are a couple of well known Monet's and then there's Sunday in the park with George, I believe is there. I'm so afraid I'm gonna say something wrong. I'm doubting myself. Um, (laughs) That's okay. But then uh, the the Monet and Degas, um, Degas, uh, yeah, that was get quite a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah, okay, maybe it was Degas then, because I remember he has one of the really famous sculptures. I think the brass sculptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Amazing. So yeah, I would definitely put this on your list for your first trip. I wish that. Um, you know, I had actually really known much about it, but I'm glad that you and I went for the first time because it was so fun. You, of course, had already been there, but it seemed like it was quite different than when you had been there last time. At least the organization of it was a little bit different and they had some different things. So still a new mm. experience, even if you've already been, already been there. Yeah. La Pie's on the first floor now. She was always <laughs> in uh, with the rest of the Impressionist paintings, but she's got a prime spot now. Yeah. The heartbeat of it certainly stays the same, but I think they do occasionally move things around. Yeah. <laughs> and then Muse, I can't even pronounce it. I struggled when we were there. De l'Orange? De l'Orangerie. I mean, De L'Orangerie. Kind of, that's not my, my best pronunciation. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the Monet paintings in there. Yeah. Another popular one, Monet's incredible because you can see his lily pads, which if you aren't familiar with his lily pads, I actually thought his lily pads was just one, the one like that, the one snippet of one, but it's really interesting because then you see it's actually this incredibly long, I I don't even know like how many feet or meters it would be, but it's, it's like probably a few meters long and a couple tall. It takes up a whole rounded room, which yeah, that was such new news. And then we had those really funny Picassos of those like naked women Picassos. That's right. Yeah. Those were fantastic. So amazing. I still need to get them framed. Yeah. Yeah. They were so good, but also much smaller. So you could do well to view and go to this museum. I think maybe you don't need as much time and that can be kind of folded into a day full of other events where I think we're like on the same page that if you're going to go to Musée d'Orsay, like spend most of the day there. Yeah. And and because it's right by the Louvre, I would say if you're a museum buff, the Louvre, it, you, you've got to just pick which parts you want to see. If you just have one day, you could spend weeks wandering around in there. Certainly worth it if you have the time to, to stop by and 
if you just want to see the sculpture hall, then go for it. But if you're if you're limited, I, I personally would recommend doing something like Musée d'Orsay or the Lingerie or the Natural History Museum, where the Louvre is just it's massive. Yeah, and you can't possibly get through even an inch of it in a couple of hours. You just need a, a bigger block of time. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And so that's, I mean, that's really why I've never even made it there because I've never really been in Paris for too much time. So I think that if you have a lot of time and that's kind of one, because I don't want to run through it, but then, yeah, I hear that people say it's just something that you, you can't possibly do in just a couple of hours, even if you're, you're on like a tour or something, like you're only going to see part of it. So you don't want to feel rushed. All right. Those are museums. Any other museums that you've been to that you would recommend visiting? Oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of the Marie Curie Museum. It's small. I can't exactly remember where it was, but I remember really enjoying it. And I, I mentioned this earlier, but that mineralogy exhibit was fantastic. I It was both extremely humble and extra- extravagant at the same time. And the rocks and minerals, but they were so beautiful. So would look that one up if it's still somewhere in Paris. Awesome. Yeah, no, those are good, good recommendations. All right. Going into a little bit about where we ate, I think we should start with talking a little bit about you and I have pretty specific dietary requirements. So this presented a bit of a challenge when we first were trying to eat our first kind of day. What do you recall from us navigating how to eat in Paris with a dairy-free, gluten-free and some nut free uh, dietary <laughs> restrictions. Well, that we did a lot of Googling. I remember being on blogs in our hotel room trying to look up like the vegan foodie and or, like named it websites to figure out where we could eat safely. And and then I just saved a bunch of places on my Google Maps. <laughs> we wandered and then whatever we were closest to, we'd scope it out if it seemed legitimate or open. Actually, that was the biggest variable that we were solving for. So many places were closed, as you mentioned. But then again, there was a lot of serendipity where we ended up just sort of being in the right place at the right time. And having saved those places in advance on the map, we'd get close enough to one of the stars and decide we were hungry and then try it out. So researching in advance certainly facilitated success there. Yeah, I think the research was good. And yeah, we were kind of always going back and forth between Google Maps and trying to look on blogs and whatnot. But I think too, the other thing that we kind of realized that we had to put in and type in. And so if you have kind of any of these dietary restrictions, I don't think when every time I look up something like gluten-free, it wouldn't really come up with many places and I actually have this issue most places, like nothing really, no place labels themselves or not many at least as gluten-free. So we just went straight to vegan and yeah. <laughs> typed in like vegan places. And that ended up coming up with a couple of good spots. So Howl at the Moon, we went to, that was amazing. And that's a bit of a chain. They also have one in Amsterdam or a couple in Amsterdam as well as I've found out. So they've got great smoothies, breakfast bowls, and everything there is like uh, can be either dairy-free, it's all gluten-free and, and really good. So that was such a good spot. Looking at things just being spots, but I think one thing too, you can travel in Paris if you have these dietary restrictions. You don't have to not travel there, which I think a lot of people, of course, think of like baguette and cheese and, and carbs and croissants when they think of Paris but you can actually experience Paris outside of just those things and still be well-fed, which I think was a really nice surprise. The other hack that we used is the greatest restaurant in Paris, and that's the Carrefour or a local grocery store. So if you're finding that, and for us, that's actually, I guess, how we solved a bit of the gluten or gluten-free conundrum is we just bought you gluten-free bread at the Carrefour and you carried it around in your purse and we would stop for meats or vegan cheeses, and then you would just pull out your purse bread, and <laughs> we're ready to go. Yeah, we were we were resourceful. I still to this day think about that crazy brunch that we had with the 
bee infestation and the woman who told us that I should have brought my own bread. This is like a time I, this is before I like thought about the trend of bringing my own bread, but that's right. That's how it started. If she said it and then we were like, all right, <laughs> we will. Well, yeah, it was so funny. And so even for some context, also, sorry, these are like sitting on my ear really weird. It's kind of folding my ear, but for some context, we go to this place that we looked up, I think a vegan cafe, and they did have options that were vegan, vegetarian, and dairy-free. Great. Not so much on the gluten-free. So, you know, we kind of kind of asked them, can we get gluten-free or like gluten-free like pancakes or anything? They're like, no, like that's fine. You'll have eggs and the avocado. And um, one still brought out the pancakes. <laughs> so <laughs> that was funny. But when we asked uh, asked them if they had any gluten-free bread, she was, oh, no, but, you know, some guy had the other day, like he asked for some gluten-free bread. So let me see if, you know, we have some. And came back with telling us that he had just actually brought his own bread, which then we obviously had such a laugh about because we're like, what could be more insulting to Parisians than showing up at a cafe? Yeah. <laughs> Asking them to cook so our own bread. American. <laughs> Yeah, here I brought this bread. Can you please cook this for me? Like it would literally never crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be mortified to do that at the restaurant, the way that they described this Patreon having done it. But what we ended up doing, which I think was also a bit of a money saving technique, is we just got lunches from grocery stores and picked up fruit and crackers and cheese and yogurt and tasty couscous salads and peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, I think and I think it was so good that we because our main focus as trip was not really the culinary side. I think for that and probably next time I go back, I definitely want to find dinner spots that have yeah. different options that we can book into. But again, it just wasn't really our focus. We just kind of wanted to pop around and, you know, go where we wanted and whatnot, which I think was great. So, I think if you do want to do that, you just have to be really prepared and plan ahead, which even right now planning for Italy, finding that it's just a lot of work to go through restaurants to see what options they have. But I've done a couple and, you know, actually quite a few been have accommodating menus, which is great. So that's really helpful. But I think, yeah, if you really, that's not your focus, it's so easy to go and get stuff at the the local Carrefour and make out of, out of, out of what you want. But our other really good dinner that we had was the Mexican place that was also a thing. I just, if you don't know, now you know, like a Mexican usually is quite gluten-free and could easily be dairy-free as well, which is amazing. This place was such a surprise. Tell us a little bit about when we first got there, the little surprise at this Mexican spot. Oh, sure. Um, we had to wait for a table. And so we were led into this back room and not a lot of description was given to us as to where we were going. It was dark. It was behind sort of like a plasticky curtain and I think down a couple of stairs. And then we popped out into this speakeasy, this really chic bar with mood lighting and swanky booths and a uh, gorgeous bar top with high stools and we got to sit in the corner and people watch and wait for our table and drink a really fancy cocktail it was delightful and such a surprise so nice i feel like too it was also felt really local which was cool like we just mm -hmm. somehow ended up in this really local place although not as local as we initially believed because our bartender was speaking French. And I had said to Lauren, I was like, I don't think that he's French. And I was like, I think I should ask him where he's from. And Lauren goes, don't ask him where he's from. You don't want to insult the friend. <laughs> Look, I don't know a lot. And obviously, French did sound funny. We were like, this is funny sounding French. <laughs> even to me, and I don't even, you know, I speak like three words that I learned my sophomore year of high school in French. Like, I don't, I don't know really any French at all. And then he ended up being from Canada. Amazing. But he was fluent in French and this phenomenal was he French. Canadian or was he Scottish? That's a good question. I, 
I remembered like him as Scottish. Canadian. Maybe he was Scottish. Maybe, you know, maybe he's a Canadian he Scottish. Been, he could have been Canadian <laughs> Scottish. He could have been a, it's actually, a combination. Not like that's so funny. Piece of information. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he was not French and he would like I even looked at my Google Maps before this. He was so lovely. Sadly, this I think was our last full this is our last evening. So he left the next day to go to London. But he sent us this Google map group thing that shared all the best spots that he's tagged in Paris. So it's a it's a goal to then like note them down and like link them so other people can have them. Because I looked up and I was like, you can't really share something that someone's shared with you. You have to like share them individually. But that was super cool. And I looked even just randomly on on there last night. And there's one cocktail bar that he shared with us that looks amazing that I was just scrolling through and stood out. It's called the Dirty Lemon Cocktail Bar. So there's one or the second cocktail bar recommendation, go to the Dirty Lemon when in Paris. And then if you need anything else, let us know. But he was a legend. What was the Mexican restaurant called? Oh, that's that's a good thing to mention the name. So that one was Candelaria. Oh, that's right. Yes. And really much, yeah, so much of a speakeasy in that looks so, so much only like a Mexican bar. And it was so funny. Yeah, I don't really even understand. I think we just asked for like a seat and they just like assumed we were talking about the cocktail bar. So that was, that was really fun. Such a highlight. That was, I think, our favorite dinner that we had, or at least, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think my favorite dinner. Yeah, that was really fun. That was a great night. I know. So good. Moving on to favorite things. So just curious to hear a little bit about what are some of your favorite things about Paris that you, outside of museums and Candelaria and Dirty Lemon, that you love to do that you would like people to to know for when they visit Paris? Oh, gosh. I didn't mention it before, but Musée Dali is fantastic. And I, I do like Musée Verdun as well. Those are in different parts of the city that we didn't get to. Oh, it's such a big question. Really depends on the season, but there are always events going on in Paris. I think my favorite thing about being in the city is that there's just never, you don't have to put a lot of work into finding a thing to do. And it's all extremely accessible. You just have to try a little bit to see what's going on. You can go to a concert. I went to a concert once in the um, the Saint-Chapelle. Mm, uh, and it was a violin concerto and it was breathtaking. So little things like that, I, I think that's my favorite thing about Paris, where it seems unbelievable that you could go to a candlelit concert in this Saint-Chapelle and listen to violin serenade you on a Wednesday evening. I don't think it was even on a weekend. Um, yeah. So just navigating the city ever so slightly to stumble upon those types of events or just actually stumbling upon them, like how we found ourselves in that speakeasy. To me, it's a city that just holds nothing but romance and potential. Yeah. Lots of surprises. Even when we were walking home from that, we also saw this really fun bar party thing that was happening. And we were walking home from somewhere and we're like, uh, if we weren't so tired of from having walked this whole city three times over, we would stop mm-hmm. and see what was going on. But yeah, it has so much going on. I think it's such a beautiful thing about Paris. There's so much life in it and a lot happening at, at any given time. I think some two things that I noted on this were are not as much on that side because you, of course, have experienced it far greater than I have. But one thing we did do that everyone recommends is the French pharmacy hall and yes, going oh to the God. French pharmacies. So amazing. Honestly, like this guy it's that was just heaven, heaven. They have so much in there, and we were in there for so long. My biggest regret from that trip is that I didn't buy any of that sunscreen spray body oil that smelled like coconuts and the beach in summertime. I use it every day. I still I think about every it. single day. I just it brings me right back to that street corner, and it's so delicious smelling. I cannot wait. Pretend to, to go be a back. French woman when I wear it. <laughs> I cannot wait. Whenever I go back, I'll have to get some and stock up because I think about it all the time. You actually, just send me a photo of what it looks like so I can absolutely. I can. You can tell them. Put in the show notes as well. Everyone should buy this oil. It smells amazing. 
It smells so good. And among, you know, so many other things, even on TikTok the other day, there were so many videos about French pharmacies. So great things to get from there. And then Cafe Ricard instant coffee that became our lifeblood of this trip. (laughs) Those are fantastic shout outs. So good. Cafe Ricard is, I, I'm not a big instant. I'm no, I'm, I'm actually don't like instant coffee. Other than the fact that I don't drink coffee anymore, I don't like instant coffee. I never have. And Cafe Ricard changed how I saw the world of instant coffee. It is so good. It was amazing. And the like only sad moment about staying in our amazing hotel, which we'll also have to talk about for a second in a moment, was that they didn't, that one morning we woke up, they didn't fill us up with Cafe Ricard. I'd be like, <laughs> what's going on here? What are, we're ready. Cafe Ricard. <laughs> we need our Cafe Ricard. You can't just give it and take it away. <laughs> that delights me that that instant converted you. I'm a long time instant coffee gal, but those are two yeah. fantastic unsung heroes. The, I mean, French pharmacy, very high worthy of praise, but I think my two unsung heroes that already got shout outs were the Carrefour and the Lime Scooter. Yeah, both. I mean, so good. I, I didn't go to a French pharmacy or any of these places when I first went. And so would spend some time at a French pharmacy, hands down. Also, I don't know. Oops, sorry, bag fell over. I don't know who needed to hear this, but the reason why I didn't get the body oil is because I was like, don't worry, we'll come back. We'll come back again. You never end up going back. Just get it when you're there. Do Carpe it there. Mm-hmm. Carbidium. diem. Don't plan on coming back. I do this often. And it's one of the things I don't love about myself. I'm like, I'll get it later. I'll get it later. No, you won't. Just get it now. Enjoy having it in the security because it's something that you want and enjoy. Don't just think that you're going to but go back again to a pharmacy. It's like we were there for four days. <laughs> we weren't there for like a week. We did go into a pharmacy multiple times. Didn't we? Or did we just hang out on that one? I feel like at some point we went back in because we both got that caudally deodorant, which shout out for that. It's Yeah, that was good. Lifesaver. Also very fun. But yeah, yeah I don't, is, is I don't know that we went back in. I think that when we went in that time, that was the second time that we had oh, gone in. Right. So we were planning to go back again. And then we had that weird thing that was happening when we were going to leave where I was somehow ultra relaxed, which is unlike me when it comes to transport. And we were like, get a move on. We have to get out of this city. And I was like, it's all good. Like, we're going to be fine. Not remembering that last time that I was here, uh, the UK was a part of the European Union, but now it's an international country. So if you're going to London from Paris and the trains, you actually have to allocate a substantial amount of time to go through all the security and stuff. Yeah, that was a very funny turning of our typical rules. <laughs> I was like, we got to call the Uber 10 minutes ago. <laughs> we got to move. And I'm like sauntering around, have no care in the world. Charging yeah, just- your laptop. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, Laura, it's going to be fine. We're all fine. And you're like, absolutely not. Get a move on. We're going to miss this train. And honestly, we barely made the train. We barely, so we, we were hustling. So yeah. funny. Yeah. Don't forget that. Um, But then special shout out to our hotel. So we stayed at Hotel Jardin de Cluny in the Latin Quarter. They do have a couple of locations, but loved this location. It was just recently renovated. How beautiful was this hotel i just i can't recommend it enough there's something charming about staying in a hostel like you can you can do it but if you want something just a a little bit upscale and so charming every little detail put in place to be admired the wallpaper the cushions the cafe ricardo and Happy Ricard delivering the best Ricard. instant coffee. <laughs> it was it was so fun to stay there. And yeah, especially was... for a girls' weekend too. It had a real feminine prep to it and the decor was just swoonworthy. It was it was really, really fun. Yeah, it was amazing. Honestly, you have to check it out. It was like Lauren noted the wallpaper 
phenomenal. It was so beautiful, well curated, just felt really, really, really fancy and lovely and couldn't recommend it enough. It's just so beautiful. And it was in a great location. At the time, they were doing this construction on the road, which wasn't that great, but it's in a great location. I imagine once the construction is done, it'll be really quite quite better. But it was, yeah, just unreal. So we can't recommend that enough for Girls Weekend especially. And just a really nice spot as we talked about the location as well. So all things just pointing to a great place to stay. I don't think I've ever recommended a place based on the wallpaper. So that's <laughs> just a nod to how amazing this wallpaper was. I like I I don't really give wallpaper a lot of attention, but this was just statement wallpaper. Yeah, I, but also I, curated so well cool. with the furniture and stuff. So I think yeah. that was one thing that really just and it was it was abstract, but also like very Parisian. I have some videos of it I'll share on our Instagram and stuff. But yeah, it was Parisian, but very aesthetically pleasing, abstract, colorful, bright. And yeah, I know I haven't actually I don't know that I've ever been to a place and stayed in a place where the wallpaper has like curated such a an experience. And so it really special special for Hotel Jardin to be able to to create that experience for us. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely the longest conversation I've ever had about wallpaper. And it was it's totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> totally so again, deserved. about that world wallpaper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, it's um it's so good. I think probably the last thing, because we've covered quite a bit on our trip, is before we let everybody go, or what well, we go in this podcast, what is one thing that you would recommend for people traveling to Paris? What would you recommend them? One thing to know before traveling to Paris. Some people say, try to speak French, yada, yada, yada. What comes up for you? The first thing that came up for me are comfortable shoes. Hmm. I um, ended up wearing a pair of yours most of the time and then subsequently bought those exact same pair of shoes. You want to link those in the show notes. Fantastic (laughs) shoes for walking around Europe. Could not recommend more. But the shoes I brought just weren't made for the elements. It's not like you're going to be trudging up a mountain, but if you want to really discover a city like Paris, you have to be willing to put the steps in if if you can, if that's something that you're able to and can access. And good footwear comes first for that. People rarely check out your feet. Be comfortable. Don't let yourself get blisters. A hundred percent. I think also, maybe I'm remembering wrong here, but by shoes that you mean aren't made for the elements, did you mean like your 2010 New Balances? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not made for the elements. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I brought like running shoes. And then a pair yeah. of scrappy, sexy sandals. I don't know what I was packing for, but it certainly... And I know Paris. And for some reason, I still fell short You were ready for a one. workout or like a beach walk, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was Neither also, of which we had. It was hot. So my feet and sandals, I don't. I feel like yeah. they would have gotten a little burned. We were on the sun a lot. So um, clothes, toad, science lab approved extra cushion walking shoes with maybe yeah. a little aesthetic. You don't have to wear <laughs> new balances. White, white, yeah. White tennis shoes. Yeah. These ones were Adidas. They were great and they are really comfortable. So they're perfect for walking around. And then let's and see, I have these other ones. Them. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no. It's okay. I was going to say, yeah, I uh, have these other ones that I just bought for Italy that are white and leather. And they've actually really nicely, I actually got them from a recommendation from someone talking about really good shoes to travel in. And they are not as comfortable as the Adidas, but they're still comfortable. But the leather makes it so they don't actually get dirty at all. So I've been wearing them around Sydney and Lundloxa walks and stuff to break them in. And they've held their integrity and they've they've kept clean and whatnot. So I will leave a full review for them after Italy. But I will link the Adidas ones that you now own, are happy owners of. We saw this when we were both in Denver a couple of weeks ago or a couple months ago. <laughs> I was like, That's- are those the shoes? And you're like, yes, <laughs> I, like, I ordered them. certainly are. <laughs> I got the moments after returning to London. Um, you touched on something else, though, that I think is worthy shout out 
think we all succumb to wanting those cute new pair of shoes for our a long-awaited trip and then maybe have the urge to not wear them so that they're fresh and cute looking by the time we get on our trip. But what you need to do is work them in. You've got to walk work around them. In. them. You've got have to practice. To. Are they going to work? They might look really nice, but once you get out on the streets of Paris and you're walking along cobblestone paths, are they going to hold up? You're going to want to know. So team, break in your shoes before you travel in them. Um, yeah. As I say, not as I do. A hundred percent. And I think my recommendation will be, and this is from, well, when you spoke French, so I didn't really need to do much on that front. Um, but my last trip, I have heard people, you know, they're all, you know, the French, maybe, you know, people have had their different experiences, but I feel like the French are really friendly when you do try to speak French. I think that that does go a long way. And I think that people expect the French to be really warm. I think you just have to take people for how they are. You know, they're, they get a lot of tourists. I mean, even right now, I mentioned this in one of the other podcasts, France is actively trying to see how they can reduce tourism because there's so much over tourism. And I, so I think it really does go a long way when you try to speak their language. Of course, you spoke French, which was great. I think people really appreciated that. So I think I would definitely try to do that. And then the walking shoes come to Paris ready to walk. It's just not a place that you can't walk quite a bit. Um, even throughout the museums and stuff, you end up walking for a long time. So dresses, I mean, it was the summer, so dresses, good walking shoes, and then a little bag is all we had and felt like that was perfect for a couple day trip that we had. So that from my end, and I think anything else to add from your end before we wrap up? Just to echo what you said about trying your French, I do think that there's this assumption that broken French is unacceptable French or like the Parisians will be snarky. And I've just never had that experience. Yeah, It's all about delivery. It's all about intent. If you're trying, if you're being earnest, that comes across. So when in Paris, practice a little, give it your best, have humility when you know you're going to make a mistake. And Parisians are, are gracious with your ears. So absolutely. 100%. Yeah, that's exactly what I found as well. And I really love Paris. I know you do too. And it's just been so fun talking about it today. Thank you, Lauren, so much for coming on the Wonder Pod. If you have any questions or anything, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like and follow us. And you can leave us a review if you have some time. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. This is so fun. Thank you so much, Christine. This has been the, been the best and also a blast. Or a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.